The failure of today's American adults to provide our kids with a moral platform for what used to be called common sense is leaving kids emotionally fragile and their parents confused, frustrated, and exhausted. But this is largely a self-inflicted wound, as parents buy into our culture's increased marginalization of the time-tested parenting principles found in Scripture. And all the while, those same parents desperately pursue the American dream. That's a dream that has, today, too often become the American nightmare. So now, in a day when kids need parents most, they have them least. And as parents swap their common sense for the seductions, the amusements, and the conveniences of eye slavery in our digital age, it's no wonder why one prominent psychologist claims that today's teens are struggling with the same degree of anxiety as the average psych patient in the 1950s. Finding answers for the collapse of parenting. That's next on License to Parent. Welcome to License to Parent. This is the only radio program helping parents raise their teens that takes its cues from within the proving ground of a residential program helping troubled teens. That program would be Shepherds Hill Academy. And our host on License to Parent is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosal. And Trace, uh, the tagline for our Licensed to Parent broadcast has long been insight for today's culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that you and the staff at Shepherds Hill understand that uh, our nation's youth problem is largely the result of our systemic cultural problem, aggravated by, well, a parenting paradigm shift that was ignited by the postmodern cultural revolution of the 1960s. In your opinion, has that shift helped bring us to this collapse of parenting? I think it has, Rich. Thank you, Frederick Nietzsche. Uh, but, you know, in, in addition to all that, and maybe because of it, uh, we've also exchanged our traditional biblical worldview for parenting with one that's been replaced by the influence of pop psychology. And uh, since throwing out the insights of God's Word for the insights of Freud, Hume, Young, Kohlberg, Adler, Dr. Oz, Dr. Drew, Dr. Oprah, Dr. Phil— yeah, and I guess I'll go with Dr. Phil and ask this question. How's it been working out for us? <laughs> you know, as G.K. Chesterton, well. no, as, as Chesterton once said, he said, before you tear down a fence, find out why it was put up in the first place. Right. Now, now think about this. Isn't it a bit naive to think that God really requires us to be PhDs in child psychology to be good parents? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, people don't want to believe us when we tell them that the negative cultural influences of Hollywood, Madison Avenue, folks like Little Wayne, Lady Gaga, and the like— Digital technology, the internet, and American entertainment as a whole are all affecting their kids at the chemical level. Right. We're not just talking about at the mental level. Right. This is doing actual change within the body. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, uh, just as if they were taking some kind of behavioral med. Uh, that's when doctors, and you know, they, they too often start naively pumping uh, meds of their own, these mood-altering uh, drugs of their own, uh, for ultimately no more reason in many cases than to counteract the mood-altering influences of what we now consider mainstream culture or what we've coined around here as the other parent. And it's right. a shame more folks don't understand that. Well, joining us to delve into these negative cultural influences and uh, to take a look, I guess, at the both the medical and psychological side of this conversation is Dr. Leonard Sachs. Now, Dr. Sachs is, I think, uniquely qualified to speak to this because he's earned both a Ph.D. in psychology and his M.D., Uh, Back in 1990, he established a family practice in Montgomery County, Maryland, that's just outside of Washington, to provide primary care services to children and adults, and did so for more than 18 years. So he's had a bit of experience in the field with this. 
Since that time, he's written a number of books, including Why Gender Matters from Doubleday, Boys Adrift, Girls on the Edge, and the book we're discussing today, The Collapse of Parenting, those last three published by Basic Books. And uh, The Collapse of Parenting, by the way, is now a New York Times bestseller. He often speaks on child and adolescent issues. He's even done so on a few previous appearances here on Licensed to Parent. Dr. Sachs, welcome back to Licensed to Parent. Thanks for inviting me. Well, tell us what you mean uh, in, in your book by the collapse of parenting. What are you talking about there? Well, it's pretty simple. You know, I'm a, I'm a practicing physician, and mom brings her daughter in to see me. The child's six years old, has a fever and a sore throat, and I look at the ears. The ears are fine. I say, okay, uh, next we're going to look at your throat, do a strep test. But before I can do that, mom says, is it okay if the doctor <laughs> looks at your throat? And then we'll go for ice cream. Mm-hmm. And the daughter looks at mom and says, uh, no, I don't want to. Uh, and what should have been a 10-second procedure becomes a five-minute ordeal requiring an assistant to restrain the child. Look, there are some situations where it is reasonable for the parent to give the child a choice. But when you have a fever and a sore throat, that's not one of them. Right. And there are so many situations where parents should be telling their kids what to do, where parents now ask their kids. Thank Another you. good example is the cell phone. Uh, parents give oh, their boy. teenager a cell phone and leave it up to the teenager about whether the cell phone goes to bed with them. Mm-hmm. The cell phone should never be in the bedroom. Exactly. Uh, at 9 o'clock at night, you turn the device off and you put it in the charger, which stays in the parent's bedroom. It's not fair to put that burden of choice on your child. What is your 14-year-old supposed to say tomorrow in school when her friend says, hey, I texted you last night at midnight. How come you didn't answer? Is she supposed to say, well, researchers have found that sleep deprivation <laughs> increases the risk. Come on, that's ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. Do I allow her to say, hey, my evil parents take my phone every night at 9. They won't want to have it back till the next morning. That's I, right. I want to hear... parent's job. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to hear a kid say, well, you know, sleep deprivation is bad. I, I would just like to see that sometime. I want to be the fly on the wall. Uh, the, the, magic, the, the four magic words are because I said so, and that's a lost yeah. art in in, uh, in parenting and, today. And by the way, along this subject, um, we've had conversations even within our own family, but I've heard a lot of other parents say this too. Well, you know, Junior, you know, Susie, Sally, Billy, Bobby, whatever, um, they paid for it, so I don't really have a right to take it away from them. That's, that's nonsense. No, that is nonsense. Well, indeed, if your child's going to have a cell phone, uh, you need to tell them, this is not your phone. This is my phone, uh, and I am letting you use it as a privilege, but right. you can lose that privilege. If I see any photo that's inappropriate, and I encourage parents to install uh, programs on the phone like My Mobile Watchdog or Nanny Mobile, uh, so that any photo the kid takes goes immediately to your phone and to your laptop before they even do anything with it, and you tell them, if I see any inappropriate photo, you lose the, the phone I- indefinitely because we live in a culture now where the cool kids are sending and receiving inappropriate photos, right. and you need to give your kid an excuse not to participate in that culture. Yeah, it's almost 50% in the public high schools now. It's, just, it's, it's insane. Uh, you know, we've been saying for, for years that America's youth problem is largely a systemic problem. You mentioned enculturation in your book. Can you talk about that? Well, yeah, I, I begin that chapter with the question, what is childhood for? It's ridiculously long in our species. I mean, a horse, 
which is a bigger animal than, than a human, a horse is full-grown at four years of age, but a human at four years is just beginning. So why? Why is childhood so long? And scientists have thought about this and studied it, and the answer they have is that it's, it takes that long because it takes that long to teach culture to the child. Mm-hmm. That is the primary function of the parent, to teach the child right and wrong, to teach them the culture. Uh, but many parents have abandoned that authority and instead are allowing kids to learn culture from other kids and from social media and the Internet. Mm-hmm. And the result is not good. Yeah. You know, it's been said that, that culture is the ideas, the institutions, the interaction, the telepeople group, how to think, feel, and act. So if, if you were raised in a cannibalistic culture, the chances that you know, you have me over for dinner, not as a guest, but as the main course goes up exponentially. Uh, but cannibalism isn't a cultural norm in America. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, entitlement, and unencumbered access to those digital gadgets we're talking about in the Internet uh, are the new cultural norms. Yet, because of all these things um, are, are part of our culture, too many people don't see the problem here. So it's kind of like uh, being in the forest, you know, too close to, or in the trees, you can't see the forest. How do we open the eyes of an entire culture of parents who just don't seem to realize the dangers they're exposing their kids to simply by what they allow them to view and engage in, particularly through the vehicles of digital technology? Well, I think you're making a real good point, which is that a lot of parents judge themselves and take their guidance from other parents. And in my book, The Collapse of Parenting, I say, don't do that, because right. what American parents are doing is having really bad consequences. In mm-hmm. the book, I compare the numbers, uh, kids in this country compared to kids in other pretty similar countries, like a kid in the United States compared to the, a kid in the United Kingdom. A kid in the United States is 14 times more likely to be on medication for ADD. That's crazy. 40 times more likely to be on medication for bipolar disorder. We've seen an explosion in psychiatric diagnosis in this country, but not elsewhere, Mm -hmm. because American parents are doing it wrong. Yeah. I think it's important to take a quick look at the animal kingdom and recognize that amongst animals, parenting, or whatever you want to call that, is something that is instinctive, but that's not the case with human parents. For us, what we've called common sense does have to be taught. I mean, we may have some natural instincts, but but good parenting is something that has to be taught, and we have failed generation to generation to pass on these words of wisdom. Well, and and the reason for the difference is that humans have culture, but dogs and horses do not. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dogs in Europe are going to be pretty much the same as dogs in North America, but if you are raised in this culture, you need to teach the child the culture you want them to acquire. Yes. And if you don't, they will default to the culture in which they find themselves. If you don't want Justin Bieber or Miley Cyrus to be giving cultural cues to your child, you need to step in. The family has to matter more than same-age peers. That's the big mistake so many American parents make. They love their child. They want their child to be happy. And so they're driving them from soccer practice to a play date, and the family becomes the lowest priority, Mm -hmm. and the family meal becomes uh, something that usually doesn't happen. Cancel the play date. 
and schedule time for the family instead. Amen. You know, dogs will publicly lick themselves in any culture. I found that out. Uh, but long before uh, digital technology and iPods, Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, they, they all wrote about the power of music to impact not just individuals, but entire cultures. In fact, Plato wanted to have music regulated by the state. So how much of our kids' attitudinal problems and disrespect you see uh, as being linked to what they're being entertained by regularly? Uh, and I'm talking uh, hip-hop, uh, rock, you know, grunge, punk, all that stuff. And these kids are getting this virtually 24-7. And I'm just talking about music in and of itself. Let's forget uh, movies and whatnot, just the music. Well, uh, again, scholars have looked at that, and... Uh... Indeed, they found that kids who listen primarily to country music were less likely than kids who listen primarily to hip-hop music uh, to agree that it's okay uh, for a, uh, uh, a boy to take advantage of a girl, for example, mm-hmm. because the norms differ uh, in country music on average compared with hip-hop music. Uh, so I do think you need to govern and guide your kids' uh, uh, habits. You need to be aware of what they're listening to. However, even kids who are listening to uh, music that uh, is not endorsing uh, sexual assault or or drug use are still in this country at much higher risk of anxiety and depression uh, because they are taking their cues from other peers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Parents need to matter more. Uh, One way to to gauge that is to ask your child, this Saturday, we, we're free. Would you like to spend time with the family, or would you like to spend time with, with your friends your own age? Most American kids today prefer to spend time with kids their own age rather than with their family. That wasn't true two generations ago, and it is not true today in successful families whose stories I share in the book. Family time has to be the highest priority, and you need to. This doesn't happen automatically in our culture. You need to plan for it. Uh, you need to make it a priority. You need to insist on it. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of parents, and I know we're coming up on a break here, but uh, a lot of parents feel like uh, they don't have the right anymore uh, to make their kids do much of anything. Can you speak to that as to the importance of kind of jump-starting them in the right direction? Uh, I've noticed that kids will uh, acquire appetites for things once they're made to do something. I think that's right. And in the book, I talk about educating desire. Because a lot of parents say, well, I just want my kids to be happy. But if you haven't first educated their desire, what makes them happy ends up being cotton candy, uh, pizza, uh, social media, and pornography, and video games. Uh, You need to educate their desire. You need to instill a longing for things higher and deeper than cotton candy and video games. Yeah, and there's a big difference between happiness, which is contingent upon happenings, than joy, which which goes straight to the soul and transcends happiness. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Dr. Leonard Sachs, author of the book, The Collapse of Parenting, available from Basic Books. You'll find him online at leonardsachs.com. And you'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. Our host is Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosl. Back with more conversation right after this. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens. Have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Prison. Prison. Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow? 
and artificial. Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture. You'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. Captivated, finding freedom in a media captive culture. Available in the store at licensedtoparent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. I'm Joe Dallas. So many men and women go into parenting blindly, without training, without education, without proper mentoring. More than ever today, there is a critical need for voices that are explaining to potential parents what it takes to raise a child and to existing parents what it takes to raise that child properly. Licensed to Parent is part of the solution to the problem of a lack of proper parenting. And I'm very proud to be associated with that solution. With the generous gifts from people just like you, we're able to provide parents with practical insights to navigate the challenges families face in today's culture, as well as helping troubled teens in our year-long residential program. To learn more and to donate, visit LicensedToParent.org. This is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Again, you'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And incidentally, while you're there, if you've missed one of our programs, that's a great place to dig into the program archives, and you can hear any of our past broadcasts and also our one-minute daily parenting features at licensedtoparent.org. And again, today, Trace and I are talking with Dr. Leonard Sachs about the collapse of... This thing we call parenting. <laughs> yeah, used to call parenting. Uh, Dr. Sachs, uh, all you got to do is turn on the news and you can see uh, almost every night how kids are disrespecting their teachers, fighting them, punching them. Um, you talk about a culture of disrespect. Uh, how did we get here? Right. So one of the questions I raise in the book is, why are we seeing worse outcomes for American kids compared with kids in the U.K. or Europe? Why are we seeing worse outcomes for American kids compared with American kids 25 years ago? Right. Uh, and one of the big changes is the culture of disrespect. And what I mean by that is not only that the culture uh, in which American kids now live, the culture of Justin Bieber, Miley Cyrus, Kim Kardashian, uh, uh, it celebrates kids being disrespectful of adults, but also that it celebrates kids being disrespectful of other kids. And it's not just Miley Cyrus. It's the Disney Channel. I mean, you right. turn on the popular shows on the Disney Channel, like Dog with a Blog, yeah. and the father, who's supposedly a school psychologist, is an idiot who knows nothing about children. The dog is more insightful. Yeah. Uh, and we're supposed to laugh at the father. And this is the Disney Channel. And this is throughout American culture. It's on television. It's on social media. It's online. Uh, and again, it's not just kids being disrespectful to adults, it's kids being disrespectful to other kids wearing right. t-shirts that say things like, I'm not shy, I just don't like you, mm -hmm. or you look better on Facebook. 
you know, you don't see those T-shirts outside of North America. I actually did see one on a kid in Sydney, Australia, and I went up to him. He was wearing a T-shirt that said, I'm not shy, I just don't like you. And, <laughs> and he turned out to be an American kid on vacation. There you go. Uh, outside of North America, kids don't see anything funny about right. a t-shirt that says i'm not shy i just don't like you it yeah. just sounds rude yeah. but in this country in this culture right now kids think this is funny and it is really harmful it undermines virtue uh it teaches as i said disrespect and and the end result is anxiety and depression yeah yeah, and it's not just the Disney Channel either, the ABC Family Channel, which I think they may have even renamed that. Uh, but of course, you know, now we have to define family anymore, so that's a whole other topic. But uh, how can parents regain the respect that they've lost uh, from their kids once they've, once they've lost it? Well, it's, it, the older the child, the more of a challenge it is. And I tell parents, you need to sit down with your kids and tell them, hey, we're going to make some changes, some pretty big changes here. No more screens in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. No more screens at the dinner table. When we're at the table together, I'm going to listen to you, you're going to listen to me. No more earbuds or headsets in the car. Good. When, you're, when we're in the car, I'm going to listen to you, and you're going to be listening to me, not to Justin Bieber. Uh, we're going to prioritize family. We're going to make sure that we are spending time together instead of uh, carting you from one activity to another. We're going to make family time the first priority. So you're basically talking about an event where the parents sit down and say, listen, uh, things are going to change around here. Uh, they're going to be different. Uh, how do you respond to the parent who says, I just don't have the emotional or physical strength to, en to enforce the changes? Disgusted in a meeting like that. I've, I'm already 15 years and 200 pounds too late. H how... Uh, yep. What counsel do you have for a parent like that? I encourage them. Uh, a lot of parents are fearful, uh, and I don't blame them because the culture constantly undermines the authority of right. parents. And they'll be like, but, but none of the other parents are doing this. Well, first of all, they're, they're mistaken. There are other parents right. out there right. who are doing this and who are doing it successfully, and I share many of those stories using real names in the book. Uh, and the parents are fearful that there's going to be some kind of explosion. Mm -hmm. And the older the child, the more likely that is to be true. Uh, and if your child is 15, 16 years of age, and you say, look, you're not going to have your video game in the bedroom anymore, you're not going to have your cell phone in the, bed in the bedroom anymore, it's very likely that your 15-year-old will not applaud, right. that, they w that they may say something like, I hate you, you're going to totally ruin like my whole life. And you have to stand firm. Yeah. Uh, the explosion will pass. Yeah. Uh, not in a day, not in a week, but in six weeks, if you stand firm, you will see a profound change and you will have a family again. I've seen it many times. I see it over and that. over. I see it over and over. Kids saying, you know, I hate my dad. Why? He never tells me no. You know, when, when Rich opened up the show, he was talking about the cultural uh, influences on our kids. I want to read you a quick letter here. It, it, it supports everything you're writing about. This is a, a dad who is a, an MD. Mom is also an MD. This is a kid who came through Shepherd's Hill, and he's writing this letter to his son. And it begins, Dear Robert, when you were in preschool, you were diagnosed as having ADHD. In fifth grade, the school psychiatrist diagnosed you as having Asperger's syndrome. At Cardin Conservatory, your diagnoses were oppositional defiant disorder and conduct disorder. 
At College Hospital, you were diagnosed with thought disorder and psychosis. At Aurora Hospital, you were diagnosed with obsessive-compulsive disorder. From my perspective, none of these treatments for any of these problems had any beneficial effect on you. I may be wrong, but I suspect the people at Shepherd's Hill are a bit skeptical about the existence of all of these disorders. Trace Embry lists most of these problems as ones that he feels can be effectively treated at Shepherd's Hill. But he also lists one other diagnosis that psychologists and psychiatrists never talk about. Garden variety spoiled brat. When we talked to him, he also mentioned the word sin. At Shepherd's Hill, all your psychiatric problems seem to have disappeared. Your letters to mom are insightful and coherent and well-written. You're doing well in school. You're doing your homework. You have successfully changed your behavior. The reason may be only to avoid consequences, but you have successfully changed your behavior. People with psychiatric disorders don't suddenly become cured with a change in environment. I think the staff at Shepherd's Hill Academy may have a lot better insight into behavior problems in teenagers than do psychiatrists and psychologists. What do you think? Love, Dad. <laughs> I don't read this to promote myself or Shepherd's Hill, but to confirm what you've written in your book and what we all here know to be true for the sake of all those listening to the broadcast right now. Your comments. Well, indeed, yes, yeah, exactly uh, what I say in Chapter 2 of the book. I talk about a kid who is defiant and disrespectful. Uh, as recently as 25 years ago, the uh, teacher principal might have said to the parents, hey, you know, your, your son is defiant and disrespectful and rude. Uh, you, you need to step up and teach him uh, what, what we expect here and, and what it means to be a gentleman. Today, it is much more likely the teacher or principal will say, you know, your son is, is defiant and, and disrespectful. Uh, have you thought of having him evaluated? You know, he may need criteria for oppositional defiant disorder. And you take him to an American psychiatrist, and it's very likely that the American psychiatrist will say, well, yes, indeed, he, he does indeed meet criteria for oppositional defiant disorder. Let's try Risperdal, Zyprexa, or Seroquel, mm. and see if it helps. Yeah. A child in the United States is 93 times more likely to be on medications like Risperdal, Zyprexa, or Seroquel compared to a kid in Italy. Yeah. Uh, now, look, there are disrespectful kids in Italy as there are in the United States, but <laughs> in Italy, they expect this, they teach this kid, look, this is not acceptable. Yeah. In this country, medication has become the first resort yeah. for the child who is disrespectful, and that's really scary yeah. and, and very hazardous to the child. So, indeed, you need to step up, you need to be the parent, and you need to be very uh, mindful of what has happened in the United States just over the last 20 years, mm -hmm. uh, while I have been practicing this shift to using medication as the first intervention with any kid who's struggling right. in any way. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Dr. Leonard Sachs, author of Why Gender Matters, Boys Adrift, Girls on the Edge, and the book we've been at least digging into the first few pages of today, The Collapse of Parenting, published by Basic Books, that a New York Times bestseller. Uh, congratulations, by the way, on that. It's yes, not sir, everybody who can have a New York Times bestseller. You'll find uh, Dr. Sachs online. You can find his books online as well at Leonard Sachs, L-E-O-N-A-R-D-S-A-X, LeonardSachs.com. Dr. Sachs, Thank you so much. It's always a treat Thank to have you, you with us on Licensed to Parent. Thanks again. And this is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. A reminder that this program and the work that we do for troubled teens at Shepherds Hill would not be possible 
were it not for the generous support of friends just like you. If you feel that God has laid it upon your heart to become one of our ministry partners and help support the financial needs of Shepherd's Hill, we would be very grateful for anything you might do to help. You can donate securely online at LicensedToParent.org. That's LicensedToParent.org. And again, as a reminder, all donations are tax-free and help go to provide the means for families in need to be able to send their children into residential care if it gets to that point. You can find out more about Shepherd's Hill once again at LicensedToParent.org. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rossell, inviting you back again next time to once again renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else or something else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.